October the 1st, 2015. It's early, just before dawn. The U.S. flagged merchant ship, El Faro, had left its port in Jacksonville, Florida, and was making its way to uh, Puerto, uh, uh, Puerto Rico. Along that route, it ran headlong into a storm, not just any storm, but a hurricane. The message that was sent by uh, Captain Michael Davidson to his direct report, Captain Lawrence, on shore was short and brief. This is the message that he left. Captain Lawrence, Captain Davidson, Thursday morning, 0700. We have a navigational incident. I'll keep it short. A scuttle popped open on two deck, and we are having some free communication of water go down hole three. Have a pretty good list. I want to just contact you verbally here. Everyone is safe, but I want to talk to you. Within 39 minutes after leaving that message, the ship sunk, completely enveloped by the ocean. 33 crew members died. All the cargo left, not much of even a, a debris field. Everything seemed to just disappear. They say that this was one of the worst U.S. maritime disasters in decades. And still today is being used as a, as a tool to figure out what went wrong and how it can never happen again. Now, I want you to think about the sinking of that merchant ship just a couple of years ago. And I want you to rewind the tape, not just uh, the tape of history, not just uh, 100 years, not just 200 years. Rewind the tape of history all the way back 2,700 years to another merchant ship. This merchant ship is leaving the port of Joppa. And it's headed toward the coast of Spain. And in route, they carry expensive cargo and a profit that's running from God. If you know, uh, if you were here last week, you know that we're studying the book of Jonah. And uh, in the book of Jonah, we first discover that Jonah is a prophet from God, from Israel, that God told to go to Nineveh, this wicked, evil city, and to preach to them. And Jonah didn't want to do that. So Jonah decided to run from God. And instead of going east to what is modern-day Iraq, Nineveh, uh, he decided to board a merchant ship and to go as far west as he possibly could. But in route, they ran headlong into a storm, a storm that would change all of their lives forever. I want you to get your Bible. I want you to open it up to Jonah chapter 1. Jonah chapter 1. And while you're turning there, I want to make a couple of kind of preliminary statements, important statements about storms. See, storms come into our lives, whether we like it or not. We're going to face seasons of storms. They're very seldom physical storms like the one that El Pharaoh experienced or the one, the physical storm we're about to read about in the book of Jonah. Many times these storms come in crisis. They come in trouble. They come in hardship. And all of us are going to face storms. But the question is, how are you handling those storms? And I want to clear something up from the very beginning. 
And that is that not all storms are as a result of our sinfulness or our waywardness. Not all storms come into our life because we did something wrong. That's usually the first thing we ask, right? What did we do wrong to cause this storm to happen? We often look for the why. Not all storms come in our lives because we've done something wrong. I can tell you many stories in the Bible of godly people that did not do anything wrong to face storms. Jesus being probably one of the greatest examples, who suffered more than any of us suffered and yet was perfectly sinless. So not all storms or hardships or Christ that come into your life are a direct result of sin in our lives. Some may be, but not all of them certainly are. But here's what I do know. I do know that in every storm, God is over it. He's sovereign. He's over every storm. And I know in every storm, God is speaking through it to get our attention and to use it in a way for His glory. So God is speaking through the storms, and God is using the storms in our life to turn us back to Him and to use them in our lives. God never wastes a storm. God uses every single one of them. Now, here's the main idea that I want you to write down. I'm not even going to put it up on the screen so you uh, can write this thought down. God will do whatever it takes to bring you back to Him. Jonah was running from God, and God was willing to do whatever it took to bring Jonah around, to bring him back to him. Listen, God loves you too much to watch you go down this road that's going to hurt you. He loves you too much to to allow you to waste your life, or or even worse, to wreck your life. And so God will chase you. God will intervene. God will put roadblocks in your path. God will put people in your life. God will bring storms in your life. God will do whatever it takes to turn you back to him if you belong to him, even if it takes a storm. So I want us to jump into it. Jonah chapter 1, beginning at verse 4. If you're with me, say amen. Amen. All right, this is the word of God. Jonah chapter 1, verse 4. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner parts of the ship and laid down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, what do you mean, you uh, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. Now stop right there for just a minute. Sometimes God uses a storm to bring us back to him. That was what was happening in Jonah's life. In fact, the opening line makes it very clear that God sent this particular storm uh, to Jonah. But Jonah didn't really perceive that. Jonah didn't really understand that. These pagan sailors, though, did. These pagan sailors, these guys were merchant ship sailors. That's what they did for a living. They were born on the water. They worked on the water. They, their lives were on the sea. They understood storms, and they, they understood the weather uh, in, in a very instinctive way. And so they knew right off the bat that this was an unusual storm. Now, I don't know why they knew that. I don't know if it was the way it came up quickly. I don't know if it was the severity of it. I don't know what it was that got their antennas up, but but something about this storm triggered them, and they knew that there had to be something behind this storm. 
There had to be some reason why this storm was coming upon them. Maybe, maybe they saw clear skies and all of a sudden out of nowhere, here comes a storm. And so they began to pray. Now, they're having a prayer meeting on this boat. That's what they're doing. And so they said, hey, you bring your idols and you bring your rituals and you bring the stuff your mama taught you and let's just pull it all together and we'll just all start praying and maybe, maybe something will work. So they're having a little prayer meeting up on top of the boat trying to figure out that they made the connection between God and their trouble, God and their storm. They made this connection, but Jonah didn't make that connection. In fact, what was Jonah doing? Somebody tell me, what was Jonah doing? Yeah, he was asleep. He was down in the boat. Now, I want you to, I, I mentioned this before. I'll probably say it again next week, all right? But there's this theme of Jonah going down. Jonah hears the word of the Lord, and he goes down to Joppa. Then he gets on the boat, and he goes down into the boat. And it says he's going down to sleep. Uh, next week, he's going to really go down, okay? We'll get to the fish later, all right? But he's, he's going to really go down. He's not hit rock bottom yet. He's going to in this story, but he hasn't yet. But he's down. The whole trajectory of his life is going down. And what Jonah doesn't comprehend is that there is a connection between his disobedience and the disaster that he's facing. Now, I know a lot of people that are like that. They're like, well, yeah, I just had a lot of bad luck, man. I've just had a lot of bad things happen to me. I don't know really why this is happening. And you're like, duh, you know, I mean, uh, you've done exactly what God told you not to do. God told you not to go out uh, to do those things. And you're going out with that person and doing those things. And, and, and God told you not to uh, be unequally yoked in this business deal. And, and you've charged ahead and done that. And then you wonder, why, does, why is this relationship going down? Or why is this business failing? I mean, there are connecting points between our disobedience and, and the disaster. Now, like I said before, not every crisis you face is a direct result of disobedience, but sometimes it is. And sometimes we can't, we can't just quickly dismiss every storm and not say, hey, is there some connection here between how I am running from God or how the choices I'm making and what is happening in my life? Sometimes it is. For example, I, I think about... Uh, Hosea chapter 8 verse 7. You can just write in the margin of your Bible, Hosea 8 verse 7. Hosea was a prophet around the same time as Jonah. And he was preaching to the Israelites who were having problems. And this is what he said. He said, for they sow the wind and they reap the whirlwind. Now you know what that means to sow the wind and reap the whirlwind? He said that sometimes if we sow, sowing is like, not like sowing, it's like planting, all right? So like a farmer sows seed, and then after a period of time, that seed turns into a harvest or a crop. He said, if you sow certain things, you're going to get certain things. I, I grew up in an agrarian environment. If you sow corn, you're going to get corn. If you sow cotton, you're going to get cotton. And he said, if you sow the wind, that is, if you sow worthless things, or you sow godless things, or you sow uh, sinful things, then guess what's going to come out? You're going to reap the harvest of that. That's what Hosea was saying to these people in Israel. You're sowing the wind, and you're going to reap even worse the whirlwind. And that's exactly what Jonah was doing. Jonah has sown the wind. You know, he had said, God, I don't want to do what you want me to do. I don't want to go the way you want me to go. And he was reaping literally the whirlwind was coming on him. So what are you sowing? And what are you reaping? You said, well, okay, that's all Old Testament stuff, man. That's not, we're on this side of the cross. That doesn't relate to us. Well, okay. How about Galatians 6 verse 7? 
Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also, somebody finish it, reap. For the one who sows to his flesh uh, will from the flesh reap corruption. And the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Jonah. Jonah didn't make the connection between his disobedience and the disaster he was facing. He didn't see it. But these other sailors saw it. They were like, man, you got, we got to call on God. You know, this is a God situation. God is speaking to us in the storm. God is dealing with us in this storm. Let me ask you something. Are you making, are you connecting the dots between maybe the challenges in your life and some area of disobedience? I mean, I, I think it's at least good to start off and say, Lord, is there anything in my life that I need to know about? Are there some choices I'm making in my life that are leading me this direction? And you're using the consequences of this to get my attention to turn me back to you. Sometimes, listen, I said earlier before, God will do whatever it takes to turn you back to him. And sometimes God uses storms to turn our hearts back to him. Sometimes God speaks through storms to turn us back to him. Second thing though, sometimes God speaks through people to turn us back to him. And we see this kind of in the next part of this story. Look at verse 7. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots so we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. And so they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where did you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. You know, it's all of a sudden these pagan sailors, they've been praying and nothing's happening. The wind keeps whipping around. The storm keeps even growing stronger and stronger. So they're out here and they say, all right, well, we got to figure out what's going on with this. So they decide to use this ancient practice of, of casting lots, which was kind of like rolling dice, all right? And they would roll the dice and just, I'm not really sure how it worked, but uh, it would give them some direction. Right? So I picture them all huddled up together. They got Jonah up awake and, and they start rolling the dice. Who's responsible for this thing? And they roll the dice and it points to Jonah. All right? And I imagine Jonah's looking at it and all their faces go, right? They're all looking at him and he's like, uh, roll it again. All right? So here we go again. They roll it again. It points to Jonah. They're like, all right. He goes, no, no, roll it again. All right? Roll it again. Every time, every time he's pointing to Jonah, it's like a neon sign is going, beep, 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 beep. It's him. So they circle around him and they start pelting him with questions. Well, now, who are you exactly? And where did you come from? And what do you do for a living? And I mean, they start pounding him with these questions. They're trying to figire out what is going on. And Jonah responds, this, this response is shocking to me, really. Uh, Jonah responds and it's good and bad, all right? I'm just setting you up. It's good and bad. First, what he says is this. Well, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord. The God of heaven who made the, 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 the sea and the dry land, all right? Now, is that a good answer? Yes or no? Is that a good answer? Yeah, I mean, it's true, right? 
He's a Hebrew. He serves the Lord. He fears the Lord who's made the, the, the earth and the, and, the, and the sea. But then the second part of it is, Jonah, did you just hear what you just said? There's a, there's a problem with this because you're saying, I fear the Lord, but look at what you're doing. <laughs> you're running from God. Jonah, you say you you're fear God, but you're not acting like it. You say you, you're devoted to God, but you're, you're not obeying him. You say that you're, you're following God, but you're not going his direction. You're actually going the total opposite thing. I mean, somehow in Jonah's mind, there was this, kind of this disconnection between I claim to follow God, but I don't really act like it. Now listen, there are a lot of people like that. A lot of people will say that. You know, I claim to, yeah, I mean, I'm a Christian, man. Yeah, I'm living with my girlfriend, but I'm a Christian, you know. I just do this, you know. Or, uh, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I, I've got this, don't look what I'm seeing online. Man, don't, don't check that out, you know. I, 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 you know, I don't, don't, don't take a look at that. Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian, but yeah, I get really angry and I blow up on people. But, but, but I mean, and somehow we've kind of created this categories where I can say I'm a, I'm a follower of Jesus and yet not go the direction Jesus wants me to go. I can claim to believe a certain way, but behave a completely different way. And somehow, just as Jonah didn't connect the dots between his disobedience and the disaster he was facing, he certainly wasn't aware of this two double life thing that he was living where he could claim to believe one thing and yet behave something completely different. Let me ask you something. Is that you? You say, well, yeah, somebody came up to you, you, you followed, I'm a Christian. Oh yeah, I'm a Christian. But then they evaluate your life and go, well, then why are you doing that? Why are you seeing that? Why are you behaving like that? Why are you watching that? Why are you going there? I don't see that that really looks like Jesus, see? What's interesting is when we get into that mode, so many times other people see it before we see it. <laughs> other people, even people that don't know Jesus can look at that and go, well, man, why, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? I thought you said you were a Christian. You certainly don't act like it. And, and God can bring people into our life to expose these things in our life and to move us back toward God. Let me give you an illustration of how that happened in my life. I was uh, just about to graduate from college, and I, had, I was bent on going to law school. I had made a decision, that's what I want to do, that's where I'm going to go. I mean, Liz married me on that basis, all right? So I had to follow through with it. Anyway, and, uh, and I said, that's what I'm going to do. So I, uh, we were getting, about to graduate from college, and uh, I didn't have any money. I had no way to pay for it. And so I thought, well, what I'll do is I'll go into the military and uh, then the military will pay for it. And then I'll work for the military for a couple of years and it'll all be, all be great. So I, I told this to Liz. She goes, well, that sounds like a good plan, honey. And I said, all right, I'm going to sign up. She goes, all right, be home for dinner. And I'm like, all right, you know, just a very kind of cavalier kind of thing. So I drive up to the recruiter's office and, um, now, I really hadn't prayed about this. You can tell by the way I'm telling the story. It's not like I got a promise from God. I wasn't really asking God because uh, I had determined what I was going to do, all right? And so I pull up in the parking lot of the recruiter's office, and I see the signs, uh, Army, Navy, Air Force, Marine, Coast Guard. And I'm thinking, uh, Army and Marines, I'm not so sure about that. I mean, they, they shoot people, you know. They're, I don't want to get shot at, you know. Very brave, right? And then... Uh, then I thought, Navy, I don't know, they put you on a boat for like nine months or something. I, I, I'm, I'm a land guy. I grew up in Plainview. I don't know, it used to being around water. You know, I, I got to have land. 
Uh, and then I thought, well, uh, all right, Air Force sounds pretty safe, you know. Uh, you normally don't get shot at, you know, and you don't have to get on the water. So Air, Air Force is, is it. So I go in, to, I open up the door, and I met with this good-looking young uh, recruiter. He's got prematurely white hair, cut, you know, crop top, you know, uh, bulging muscle. He shakes my hand, says, good to meet you. He said, my name is Pat Lamb. I said, well, nice to meet you, Pat. I'm here to sign up. He goes, all right, come on in here. So we sit down and we start talking. He goes, what do you want to do? I'm going to law school. I want to do this. I got good grades. I'm in good health. Sign me up, man. I'm ready to go. He's like, okay. So he starts filling out this paperwork. And as he's asking me questions, filling out the paperwork, somehow in the conversation, I, I say that I'm a Christian. Maybe he even asked me, do you have a religion? I said, yeah, I'm a Christian. He goes, oh, I'm a Christian too. I said, really? He goes, yeah, I just became a Christian two weeks ago. I'm like, well, how cool is that, man? Well, tell me that story. So he starts telling me how he came to Christ. And so I'm telling him about how cool that is. He goes, man, have you read the book of Romans? I go, yeah. He goes, that's crazy stuff, man. I go, yeah. And so we're starting talking about the Bible and back and forth. And I slipped. And I told him that I had been considering going into the ministry. That I thought that maybe God was calling me in ministry, but now I didn't want. And he goes, well, what do you mean by that? And I said, well, I just, I, you know, I thought maybe God was calling me in ministry, but really I, I want to go to law school and this is what I want to do. And this is where I'm going. And he goes, well, why do you do that? And so he keeps asking me more questions. And I'm wanting to get away from that and just get back to signing up. And he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. And he wants to come back. And finally, at some point, he's just looking at me like, you are the weirdest person alive. Why would you say that you follow Jesus and not do what he wants you to do? And, it, and I'm telling you, this is not a preacher story. This actually happened. All right. He closes the folder and he looked at me and he said, Craig, God is calling you into the ministry and I'm not signing you up today. We are done. We're done. And I'm like, what? So I like shake his hand and walked out the door. I go home. Liz goes, well, uh, how'd it go? I said, you're not going to believe this. <laughs> but the recruiter told me to go to seminary. <laughs> She goes, what? I said, yeah. You know, in many ways, I was running from what God wanted me to do, and God put a person I didn't even know in my life to speak out the obvious of where God was needing to take me, to turn me back to him. Now, listen, God will do the same thing in your life. God sees you where you are, and sometimes God will put people in your life to speak truth in your life, to maybe show you the blind spots in your life where you're running from God or you're not obeying God in some area, and, and he will put people in your life to speak it out, even people that don't even know Christ, but they'll, God will use them to do that. And why is he doing that? Because he wants to turn you. You see, God will do whatever it takes to turn you back to him, whether it's to bring a storm into your life, to make you cause the connection between your disobedience and your disaster, or maybe he'll put a person in your life to expose the areas where you claim to follow Christ, but you're not fully following him. Let me show you one more thing in this story, one other thing that God will bring to turn you back to him. Sometimes God will bring frustration into your life to turn you back to him. Frustration. I want you to look at verse 11. Then they said to him, what shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. And he said to them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, 
Let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. Jonah realized that God was speaking in the storm. Jonah began to realize, maybe for the first time, God was speaking through these pagan sailors on this merchant ship. And so they said, what do we do? How do we get out of this mess? How do we get the sea to calm down? We're going to break up. We're going to go down. And he said, listen, I know it's all my fault. Just throw me over into the ocean. And it says that these sailors decided not to do that right away. I mean, if it was me, I'd say, off you go. Uh, you know, but uh, they were like, no, 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 let's, let's try harder. And so these guys start rowing and they're rowing. And in verse 13, it says they rowed hard, right? They rowed, uh, they rowed uh, fiercely. And, and, and the Hebrew word is they dug their oars into the water. It's a very visual picture. They dug their oars in and they were rowing against the wind and rowing against the waves and rowing against the storm and rowing against God. And they could not make any progress. No matter how hard they rowed and they rowed and they rowed, they could not row against God. And they finally realized it. You know, sometimes God uses frustration to turn our hearts back to him. Some of you, you're rowing and you're rowing and you, you've, got a, you've got a white knuckle grip on the oar of your life and you know the direction you want to go and you know what the path that you want your life to take and you know what your marriage, you want it to be like or who you want to marry, or who you want to date and you know uh, all these things that you want, you want to be in control and you want to have it your way and all of a sudden things aren't working. Things aren't working in your marriage. Things aren't working at your office. Things aren't working in your relationship. Things aren't working in your dating life. Things aren't working and you're frustrated and you're angry at God because God is not giving you what you want. And you're frustrated because all that you're trying to do, you're not making any progress. Could it be that God is using your frustration to cause you to stop? And seek him. You see, what these sailors had to do was at some point they had to stop rowing and start surrendering. They had to stop fighting against God and start waving the white flag and saying, okay, Lord, all right. You see, it was only till they surrendered did the storm stop. It was only till they surrendered that they encountered the power of God. It was only till they surrendered that they began to worship Him and find peace in their life. Listen, if you're fighting against God, you're fighting a losing battle. If you're, if you're rowing against the Lord, you will never, never find peace in your life. It only comes in surrender. Listen, I believe, and I was talking to a guy this week, and I said this, you know, I've been living the Christian life now for some time, over 40 years. And I believe that the secret to living the Christian life is not in what I do for God, but it's in my surrender to God to say, Lord, whatever you want is what I want. Whatever direction you have is what I want. 
Whatever you want with my children, whatever you want in my dating life, whatever you want in my career, whatever you want in my education, God, whatever you want, Lord, I'm, I'm just surrendered completely to you. That's what God's looking for. And sometimes God will bring storms and God will bring people and God will even allow you to be frustrated to bring you to the point of surrender. The sad part of the story is that while Jonah never prayed one time on this whole storm, Jonah never prays one time, the prophet of God, but these soldiers, they're praying all through it. Jonah never sees the connection between his disobedience and the disaster, but these sailors, these rough sailors, and they saw it right away. Jonah, Jonah never surrenders to God. He says, throw me into the ocean, almost as if to say, I'd rather die than do what God tells me to do. So sad. But these sailors surrendered and they experienced his power. So here's the question. Which one is most like you? Are you like Jonah right now? Arms crossed, neck stiff, heels dug in, determined to fight God on what you want? Are you like these sailors that are eager to seek the Lord and quick to surrender and quick to see what needs to change? You know, you may be going through a storm right now. You say, Craig, what do I do? Let me just say this. If you go back and look at these points, I think you need to first off take an take a, uh, inventory. Say, Lord, is, the, is there anything in me that you're trying to get my attention in this crisis, in this storm? Are you trying to get my attention about something, Lord? Show me what it is. Search my heart, oh God. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me the way you want me to go. Take inventory. Then ask God, is there any discrepancy between my belief and my behavior? Is there any area of my life where I say one thing, but I'm living another? God, show that to me so I can confess it quickly and begin to live a life of integrity, which means what I say and how I live are the same. And then the last thing is this. Ask God, God, what area of my life am I frustrated in? Because that's the area of your life he wants you to surrender to him. That's the area that he wants you to surrender. Listen, God will do whatever it takes to bring you back to him.